Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A roast as dark as the night. Perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes. He's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of Spring Hill Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> change what is it and why does my mom get so mad when i bring it up (laughs) have humans need for the latest fashion trends and cell phones made from minerals ripped from the earth really damaged us how long do we have can i plan for a beach vacation next year or should i buy a one-way ticket to mars hey i bet elon musk needs a new girlfriend (laughs) we're talking climate change with the producers of the exhibit colon ice coming to the kennedy center welcome to the brighter side yes 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 that is right thank you amber he's always so good with the intros thank you i love writing them i feel like you should intro everyone's podcast (laughs) not just ours this next podcast (laughs) is three dudes farting into a microphone Get ready for some misogyny and some laughs. Three dudes shitting. <laughs> oh, today we are talking about the very uh, important issue of climate change, but most importantly, we're talking about the exhibit Coal Plus Ice, Colon Ice, coming to the Kennedy Center. We are with uh, the producers of the uh, the exhibit, uh, Two Tigers Productions, Leah Thompson and Jillian Schultz. Thank you so much for joining us. How you ladies doing? Great. Thanks for having us. Of yeah. course, of course, of course. Now, the exhibit is coming. If you want to go, check out the website. It's a very cool, artistic exhibit. It's coming to the Kennedy Center from March 15th to April 22nd in Washington, D.C. Very prestigious. Ooh, yes. yeah. fancy, mm. pantsy. <laughs> go to coalandice.org for more information on how to get tickets, how you come check out the event. Uh, it's going to be amazing. 
I looked at um, your website and some of the, the the art exhibit itself. I was really impressed. It's very interactive, and I liked that you showed some of the coal miners in a very humanistic perspective. You in no way talked down to anybody, and it looked very real and very raw. Well, thank you. I think that that is one one thing that people often um, comment on after seeing it, that we're really not uh, being prescriptive in any way, really, really letting people experience like the humanity of the people in the images um, and the work of the photographers and um, yeah. you know, come to their own conclusions. And the exhibit, it started off in China 11 years ago, correct? It sure did. A little over 10 years ago. A little over 10 years ago. That is wild. Wow. So before COVID even happened, you guys were already doing this. I can't even imagine. Is everything okay over there, Ed? Oh, yeah. I was just checking levels. Everything's fine. Everything's great. Ed's yes. doing the producer work today. I'm He's working. a big man. Thank you so much, Ed. <laughs> so you met over in China. Did you guys meet creating this project? Or did you meet before? How did they come to, how did it start? We sure did meet creating this project. Um, I was the director of international programming at a photo gallery called Three Shadows Photography Art Center in the Chongdi Art District of Beijing. And uh, I got to know Leah because her sort of team and cohort from the Asia Society uh, headed over and they were looking for a venue to present this very exciting immersive documentary photography exhibition looking at the relationship between humankind's dependence upon coal and the ever-evolving climate crisis. Um, and so, yeah, we met at that point. I was sort of the on-the-ground point person on the China side. She was in New York, and the rest was history. Wow. <laughs> Ten years ago, I was doing barbecue and foot massage. <laughs> you ladies are very smart. <laughs> The, it's not mutual. I mean, I was also doing oh, it in China. No, but it's not mutually exclusive, but I appreciate that. Now, I feel insane, but I would assume I've never used coal in my entire life. Oh, you use coal trying to fly an airplane? Yeah. You know, coal That's not gasoline? I, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot too. All right. So, how do people use coal in their everyday lives that we don't realize? Well, in California these days, not not that much um, is powered by coal. Um, mm. If if I, it would be a very small percentage of our electricity comes from coal. But in in many parts of the United States, um, when you plug something in, you're still using coal power to power that electricity. There's just like a bunch of dudes with shovels thrown it in a furnace. Is that you know? Is it, is it? Am I am I just thinking of a Mickey Mouse cartoon? Let's, like let's a say it, 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 it hasn't evolved too much from that. And so the, this comes from China, and I know that in certain parts, you guys show that coal miners are basically heroes. They're people who provide for their community. They bring home money. They're they're holding jobs. They're they're keeping the whole country afloat. It seems, but yet. Their country is is getting doomed by all of the coal exhaust, uh, which is baffling. Uh, how has climate change affected China in the last 10, 20 years? Oh, boy. Well, this relates to the point you were just making about, like, have I used coal before? The photo venue where we first presented the exhibition um, was actually coal heated at the time. Whoa. And a lot of, yeah, like a beautiful contemporary art space designed by Ai Weiwei mm -hmm. um, 
all coal heated, all coal powered. Was it smog everywhere? It was, uh, totally. Um, And interestingly, during the run of coal and ice in Beijing um, in 2011, my boss, the founder of Three Shadows, Rongrong, he actually decided, and it was, it ran from September through November, and then we extended it through the winter. So like, we're talking like super frigid Beijing winters. And he was, this this photographer and artist himself was so moved and impacted by the content of the exhibition that he was like, we, we could not possibly use coal-powered heat this winter. It would be an abomination. It would be unfair. It would be living outside of our values. So we the show stayed up and we had no heat. So we just worked with no heat. Wow. <laughs> Whoa, just in fur coats. Yeah, we I wish like yeah, <laughs> polyester coats and little hand warmers and stuff. Um it was freezing, but I mean, I really appreciated him sort of opting to live into his values. Um but then it was interesting on the ride over here Leah and I were reflecting on how things have changed in the intervening 10 years. And like in 2012, right after coal and ice closed in Beijing, there was something that occurred called the air apocalypse that is well known to foreigners living in the Bay or all people, all humans living in the Beijing area. Um, I believe it was January of 2012. And it was essentially like apocalyptic levels of smog. Like the AQI, the air quality index machines broke. Like everything was, wow. it was, it was never before seen. It was truly like pea soup, like fog that you couldn't, you know, you turn on your headlights during the middle of the day to drive your car. <gasps> I oh. saw um, pictures of that and they had billboards of beautiful skies. So you totally. could look at a beautiful sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the, like the propaganda of like blue sky and development. Um, wow. Anyway, so in it's very interesting. China has this extremely complicated relationship with coal and also like green tech and initiatives moving towards fossil fuel alternatives. Um, But I still, I mean, that's part of what's so interesting and exciting about the history of coal and ice and it heading to our nation's capital this spring is that this is really, the US and China are the number one and two emitters of uh, greenhouse gases. And we need to be, you know, in partnership, working collaboratively to change the systems that have made that the case. That's incredible. Now, my big question is, did you face backlash from Chinese government with your art exhibit? Uh, Amazingly, we did not for that exhibition. I mean, you definitely face backlash from the Chinese government uh, at some point if you're doing it right, I'd say. But um, (laughs) magically, there was because of your point, Ed, that a lot of the portrayals of the photographer by the photographers of the coal miners, in particular, there's one photographer named Song Chao, who was himself a a coal miner before he became a photographer. And he was documenting his peers and colleagues, their families, their lives. So um, all of their work, there's sort of this respect and even, um, yeah, a a deep appreciation and and respect and and heroism seen around the work of coal miners. Um, And so I think in that way, there wasn't necessarily... The the it threaded a needle that made it so that the Chinese government didn't see it as particularly critical, but almost pointing out like the evolution of coal extraction technology and alternatives to it. Um, so yeah, we didn't run into any problems. That's really incredible because coal miners themselves they're just trying to feed their families. 
Yeah, they don't know any better. They're, they're not villain. I mean, they do. I, mean, I guess they do know better, but they're just they're working. They're doing a job that's provided, and they live well, and they they have a wife and kids at home that needs to eat. And not just that, they're looked at it here as as heroes and brave because they get sick. You know, they they get uh they get they get the the black lung. You know, and it's it's very real, and it's I imagine it happens over there just as much, if not more, than it happens over here. What what happens? Do they are these workers taken care of, or do they just kind of fade off and are replaced? I think it probably depends by the mine, just as it it does in yeah. many ways in the United States as well. But black lung is definitely a huge problem in China, where often it the it's not um, encouraged to wear the safety equipment. That really, really, even yeah. I was going to ask about the safety protocols. Of yeah, China. that was one of the interesting things about we did show the exhibition or we attempted to in a rural village in 2012. And there were some local uh, villagers who looked at some of the photos that involved um, like men, like not wearing any clothing in the mines, you know, because it just gets so hot. No clothes. And a lot. I mean, I guess because you said it gets that hot. Mm-hmm. So China must have these varying degrees where it gets so cold and so hot. You probably need some like massive energy to make everybody live. Well, especially, I mean, it gets extremely hot when you're under underground working. And so they are. Um, but what was really interesting is that the people who were looking at the images were thought that that was like a century ago or 50 years ago. And it was really like five years ago or 10 years ago that the photos were taken. And it shows that, you know, there is just this, we're just not aware that this still occurs. And this is how we still, um, you know, power our lives in many parts of the world. It is very, uh, I would say in the last two or three years, probably since I've, I've met you ladies, I've become way more, uh, conscious of uh, the environment and what's going on and what I'm personally doing to everything. And, you know, and you go through your entire life without ever thinking about it. And I, I think that goes for probably 90% of Americans. Yeah. Cause we all have like, you have a hard life to begin with. I got rent to pay bills are due. My job sucks. Now I got to worry about climate change. Get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's the attitude of a lot of people in this country. Yeah, you telling me I got to pay more for toilet paper because it's better for the climate? Fuck, I'm I'm going to pay for the eighty nine cents a roll because that's what I can afford. Mm-hmm. And the eighty nine cents a roll, I mean, certainly doesn't feel any better. No, it's a- <laughs> no, I've been using the fancy toilet paper, and my asshole is raw. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that, it, it sucks. We can uh, we can jump to that. Leah uh, opened my eyes to that. Uh, I I saw a lovely post from you, and you. You showed me how much uh, Charmin, uh, which is my boys, or it was anyway. Uh, <laughs> With the bear? You mean the bears I, I, bears? If it's good enough for a bear, it's good enough for old These Eddie Larson. Bears wiping our ass. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, you, they're depleting the rainforest, and they're 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 ch- cutting down Brazil just to, so we can wipe our butts. And uh, so now uh, we got a uh, bamboo toilet paper. Uh, in the house. And I, I think there's a lot of other paper towels, uh, a lot of other products that we need to be uh, changing to. Why? What makes bamboo better than, uh, I don't know, a normal tree? Well, bamboo actually just grows so fast that it can um, regenerate um, at such a speed that it's not like um, taking down like old growth trees that are so important to actually not only like, you know, let's say like in cities, important for, to have trees for shade and keeping ourselves cool, but like old growth trees and forests 
are playing a huge role in capturing the carbon dioxide that is yeah. releasing in, um, into the atmosphere. Can you so, imagine this beautiful oak tree that's like 400 years old that's just like reaching to the heavens and can tell a story and you're like, cut it down, I gotta wipe my ass. <laughs> it is very upsetting when you put it like that. It is. <laughs> Yeah. So, so maybe I got up a day, you know, I, or, you know I tried it twice, you know, I'm still, you know, this oh. is, I'm working on it. You you know? like I think that's it. definitely probably the real way to go. Yeah. Mm. But then we're running out of water in Los Angeles. Now I'm just squirting the water up. My butt. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a recycled water of sorts. Oh, you're in putting the- other people's poop of water in your butt, Eddie. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, well, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, you gotta, <laughs> everyone's got to make sacrifices. <laughs> Which, speaking of, what are some things that common people can do every day that, and maybe I'm jumping the shark here. No, it's that, fine. That uh, we can um, help just a little bit. And I know it's mostly these giant companies that are fucking us all over. But what's something that, like, I can easily do that's just a little bit better? Bring, maybe bring a tote bag to the grocery store? I mean, absolutely. That's, maybe one of that? That's, like, the bare minimum. But um, I, what 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 do you ladies do? What are, what are th- uh, certain things, adjustments you've made in your home that people could uh, make in their home that kind of help out? Well, it's a, I think it's a different situation depending on if you're a renter or a homeowner or what where you are in life. Um, but we, recently we were in the process of actually renovating a kitchen in our house, and we got into a um, interesting conversation about gas stoves. Yes, I got called by the government yesterday. Uh, what? Yeah, the city of Los Angeles called me at grilling me on gas stoves and how I feel about them and whether they should be legal or not anymore. What? And, uh, oh yeah, I got the. I was like, I was like one of the first times. I was like, I've been bitching my whole life. I was like, I was like, everyone's talking about polls. I've never been called. I was finally <laughs> called. And like, <laughs> you're the chosen one. I like gas stoves, so you can't cook like. I don't know, on an electric, I don't know the heat index. I don't know how hot it is. I need a gas stove to see the flame. Yeah, it does help to see physically see the flame as someone who's cooked their entire life. Yeah. But it is causing uh it, it is causing a massive uh, amount of carbon uh, monoxide. Really? Into into the air. And because everyone's got a gas stove and now we're all and you know, and so we're all we're all doing it. And if we're all doing it on the same dime, especially during quarantine when no one's leaving the house, everyone's using more gas than ever. Uh, you know, so I don't know what that's really doing, but they, I know that they're talking about, uh, saying that no new gas products (gasps) and that, uh, if you, you can run your gas stove out, but once that's gone, uh, you got to get an electric one. I can't cook on an electric stove. You're going to have to learn. Podcast is over. (laughs) Burn the planet down. I'm going to make gumbo on an electric stove. What are you talking about? It's going to be burned. This is a bit of a deja vu moment for me. (laughs) I sounded exactly like you, Amber, when we were redoing our kitchen. I was like, how will I? But I cook with a wok and the flame. I, I really was freaking out. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't. And yeah. there it's, I have to say, I'm now happily cooking with a wok, delicious food on an electric stove. Really? Wow. It's yeah. Cause the wok is so temperamental. There. You got to yeah. be real accurate with it and it can work. It can get real hot. It can, I think it actually boils water faster. Like if you're making a big pot of water wow. for yeah. pasta, I feel like it gets quite hot it boils quicker damn one time i was in college and we were drinking at somebody's house and then Mm. they had an electric stove and somebody turned it on and i was like is it hot i don't know and i put my hand on it and it goes 
And I took it off and I was drunk, so I didn't know how bad. I had like burn burns. And I go past out that night with my fingers closed on the meat of my palm. No! So my skin grafted together and the next morning I had to unattach my fingers from my hand. Well, you know what? I am surprised by how beautiful your hand is today. (laughs) (laughs) And your fingerprints are untraceable from that time. Probably. All of your your indiscretions. That's a little tip, brothers, crimers out there. Burn it right off. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, so do you like your electric stove? It's working out for you. You can still walk. Um, totally. Yeah, I, I walk and roll. Baby. And I think that the it's like the choice. We also um, installed an, an entirely electric uh, water heater, I believe, right? Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Like a high-density water heater that ended up being way, <laughs> way more high power than we thought or necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole point being like th- these little incremental steps that we as individuals take, like getting gas out of your home if possible. Like these things add up. There is sort of this, you know, the push and pull of individual action versus like broader systems change or government or corporate initiatives. But mm-hmm. I think it's like a, I, I feel like it's a both and you can, both are important. Like we need to be looking at this crisis from above and below. Interesting. And how was your bills comparatively with I the was gas? I just going to ask that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's what's so crazy is like gas is already so, it's so cheap. So cheap. And that, I think maybe our bills have probably gone up a little bit because we've switched um, to powering with electric. But the the reason that you're that we're trying to move to electric is so that you can then attach solar panels to your home, and then you're not even pulling that much electricity from your local elect. Yeah. You know, grid. Company. I was looking yeah. into solar, and there's some pros. There's a couple cons, but the pros are. From most of the comments I saw, after two years, people weren't even paying a bill. Um, but wow. the co- but some of the cons were solar is so hot; it's a hot company right now. So you'll buy these panels from some companies, and then the company will go bankrupt, so you don't have a warranty. You're just like you hope it works, but it usually does. And after a couple of years, it pays for itself. But I would also the cons: I wouldn't say a whole city should run on solar, but your home, sure, that's great. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of going on with. You know, I think personally, my opinion, I think everyone in the the world, but uh, obviously in America, uh, I'm more concerned with because that's where I live. And I think people are too concerned with go, go, go. Give me the power. Uh, You know, we've had it really good for a really long time. Yeah. We don't need to drive 130 miles an hour. No. 60 is fine. That's fine. You know, like it's, I think a lot of, you know, we need to make a couple sacrifices. And that's, yeah, I think that speaks to a bigger thing of, example, fashion. Fast fashion is one of the biggest causes of pollution in the world. I mean, look at how many people are ordering a new dress from H&M or Zara every Every season, there's four seasons a year. And so they just dump them. They just throw them away, give them to goodwill. And I couldn't wear every T-shirt that I have if I wore three a day. 
You know, like I (laughs) I couldn't go through it. I have so much clothes and I'm just like a a normal dude, you know, like I don't, you know, I I don't really, you know, I shouldn't have that much, but I do. And also slavery, like fast fashion contributes to, there are more slaves. We're getting head nods, by the way. Right now, we're getting way ahead. There's more slaves right now (laughs) than there's ever been in the world. There's also more people right now. So it's a weird fact, Yeah. but fast fashion and also the cell phone technologies, there are more slaves making this because we have this go, go, go. We need to consume. And if you like you were saying earlier, Ed, if we just take a step back and then just we don't have to have the latest iPhone. Yeah. Can we just wear the shit we got for a little while? I mean, we all like to look good, you know, but like we can all wear it a little bit longer and like let, you know, not let fashion change so much. You look at these beaches in Sri Lanka and they're just covered in our clothes to the point where they can't even use the damn beach. And there's just like guest jeans and like really expensive shit just sitting on the beach decomposing and getting crapped on and like, you know, getting bleached by the sun and it's just sitting there and getting taller and taller. And, you know, they, they've lost any hope of tourism, you know, and they've, you know, and it's, it's horrible. And we are, you know, very much contributing to the, to the world's demise. We trash is one of our biggest exports and uh, we're not, doing anything to help. No, you know what makes me crazy about trash? Mm-hmm. I've gotten really um, anal retentive when it comes to my trash. You know, you got to take the labels off when you recycle and stuff like that because they can't recycle. You got to wash out your containers. Wash out the containers and all that stuff. I, when people don't break down their boxes, <laughs> I go crazy. I go, I, like, yeah. I, like, I can't deal with it. Because you makes, worked in restaurants. I worked in restaurants. Same here. If you, you don't break down your box. the space in the dumpster. You don't have space. the space in the dumpster. You can't put the stuff in the dumpster. What are you doing? boxes in the dumpster. The dumpster. What are we doing here? Hey, Mom. First things first. Thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help. And yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And also, you have to take a plastic thing and put around your mattress when you throw out your mattresses. Because the people that pick it up, they don't know if you have bugs. Yes. They don't know. And I know we're talking less plastic, but we're also reducing fucking... Bugs mm-hmm. getting on people, spreading disease. You know, and this, you know, if this was ten years ago, I just burned the goddamn mattress. I know, you know but, <laughs> but it's not allowed I anymore. Mean, L.A. right now, you can burn it. You'll get fifty dollars from Gavin Newsom. He loves it. I remember one time I went. I was visiting a friend in Minnesota, and we went to like uh, to her brother's house, and there was just like all this smoke. And I was like, "Oh my god, is everything okay?" And she's like, "Ah, oh, he's just burning all his trash. It's trash day. <laughs> god damn it." <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens to the big trash piles. I mean, that's just the little trash pile that gets burned. Imagine what happens with thousands and thousands of people. What do you think they do? Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, it ends up in the ocean. 
uh, over in New York City. We saw the barges, you know, just filled with trash circling the island because they got nowhere to go and it just trash slowly falling off the side of it every second, <sighs> you know, and it's terrifying. And the, now yeah. there's these islands of trash in the ocean. I mean, you know, I know. And they're just creating more and just, just heating it up. You know, because they act as like there's like reflectors for the sun, and it's just it, it's a whole thing is a disaster. Yes. And before we started talking about, uh, before we got together, I made us all watch a video of a giant three thousand foot ice sheet uh, that uh, detached from Greenland. Go to now this and look at that uh, video. It created a, a giant tidal wave. It's very terrifying. I was uh, impressed by the videographer by not moving because it was a tidal wave coming, and they stood there. They didn't swear once. I would the fuck. Oh, <laughs> they must have really been engaging their core. You know, yeah. it's just so steady. It was like very it was coming. Which true though, the world needs to know, and we got to know what's going on. And uh, apparently, um, there's another giant ice sheet uh, about the size of Florida. That uh, you were saying, Leah, it's the uh, the Doomsday Glacier. I think it's actually even bigger. Um, they are expecting it could go within the next five years. What? What is the Doomsday Glacier? Explain it to me like I'm a ding-dong. Well, it's just a extremely large glacier that once it disconnects, that means the water, uh, you know, the ice will then become part of the sea level, the sea's uh, water level. Will rise because mm-hmm. it's that big. Exactly. And it's considered the one that will push a Miami to be beyond hope. As for... I sit here in Miami football sweater. <laughs> yeah. That leads me to another thing with, uh, with, I think a lot of reasons people don't really understand or believe climate change is there's a lot of like numbers and facts that I kind of can't put together. Like I know the earth has raised 1.1 degrees Celsius. I don't understand what that is. I don't understand how big this glacier is, where it is. What do you mean this glacier melts? And then Miami's gone. It's a lot of, I, I don't know how to put two and two together. Well, I know one thing. When we talked about um, a little while back, we had an episode about coral reefs. Yes. And uh, we know that if the uh, the water gets four degrees Fahrenheit warmer, they're all going to get bleached and they're going to be gone forever. Really? Yes. And that's so much life that exists in the coral. Yeah. And that's, that's we're going to see that in our lifetime. And which is very depressing and it's, it is hard to, it's a very hard pill to swallow, uh, especially someone who grew up around coral reefs. Uh, and, you know, I grew up down in Florida and it was a big part of my life. And so to think that those things are going to be gone, I mean, it's something like 70% of all the species in the ocean. Where's Ariel going to go? Arrow, down deep. She's wow. Down, she's going to go down deep or she's going to, you know, hop on a jet with Musk. Ariel's going to, yeah. <laughs> Ariel's going to become a fem cell way down below. She's walking around anyway. She's uh, she's already given up on the sea. <laughs> she is. <laughs> Do you think Ariel ate sushi? I mean, yeah, every time she ate, probably. Oh. What else are you going to eat down there? You're right. Yeah. What a bitch. But she's still, you know, she was friends with Flounder and the crab. You know, you, you pick and you choose. I guess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she ain't eating bacon. That's for sure. So, obviously, the exhibit focuses on the the ice caps and, and the, the rate that the coal and the other pollutants are uh, defrosting them. What are we looking at here? Like, what what what's going to happen if it, it keeps up the way it's going? How do we slow it down? I mean, 
what do you what do you got? So the exhibition when it first began was really about the relationship between coal mining and the melting of the Himalayan glaciers, which have an extreme consequence for the billions of people who live downriver from from the Himalayas. That's yeah. most of Asia, basically. Yeah, I know that the um, the bodies on Everest are starting to defrost and decay. Because they used to use the, the the frozen bodies up there as like landmarks to yeah. like all right make a left at George and you go up and you, you know so and the, but now that the they've started to defrost they've started to decay whoa and uh, you know it's it's a disaster and there's also like viruses decaying in the ice because was, you know thousands of billions of years ago they got some fucking fucker in there and now it's coming out to get us Corona watch Corona be a sleepy stupid disease but let's get back into uh, back in Nepal. And uh, what's happening over there? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to mention the, you know, that the fact that we could have more viruses due to climate change. It's a terrifying reality that what we've experienced for the past two years could just, um, with the melting of um, the permafrost on like different plateaus, mm -hmm. could could lead to um, more outbreaks. But so, I mean, that was the original concept with the exhibition was to look at the Himalayan glaciers. But then we started to expand um, the focus of the exhibition to look at like the global climate issue. So now we have Himalayan glaciers, but also um, polar ice in Antarctica and the Arctic. Yeah. As well as actually, I mean, one 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 thing that is amazing is seeing the effect of climate change on all of these landscapes all over the world at different times in this exhibition. But then we have another section of the exhibition that really focuses on the human consequences where you see humans dealing with climate change in their daily lives from floods and droughts to wildfires. Um, we have a new section that shows cell phone videos from the New York uh, subway and a metro in China that have been flooded in the past year. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Florida earlier. I grew up down there. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, we get a hurricane every five years. Yeah. And now it's five a year sometimes. It's and a lot. It's crazy. And like the, the hurricane season used to be, you know, just a couple of weeks, you know, and it'd be like two months, a month and a half. Now it goes all the way from like July to November, which is it's almost half the year. Too we're, much. We're dealing with this stuff. And you know, we the sea levels in Miami are rising. Uh, you know, I, I saw uh, I saw Al Gore down there uh, hanging out with uh, the mayor of Miami, and the mayor of Miami is just literally pleading to the president, you know, help us, you know, help us do something. We, you know, their hands are tied. There's days where the the tide comes in two blocks. Ooh, you know, and it's just and it, that seawater gets up in the cars. The cars stop working because the salt water messes with the cars. It's like it's whole. And then you you know, that you you can't tell me that that building collapse had nothing to do with it. Oh my god, so much more money to not deal with this. Yes, exactly. And then it's it's a lot to deal with it, and it's it's more in the long run to not deal with it. Uh, we, uh, we were talking about it a couple episodes ago where, uh, there was a, a, an extreme change in the money, uh, billions of dollars funneled into natural disasters in America last year and, uh, money that we've never spent. There's been Del Greco's up the middle of the country every year, which is like a word I didn't know three years ago. What is Del Greco? It's the giant 
storms that take over the middle of America and then just like freeze Iowa and, and Ohio and all those places. I mean, there's always been storms, but there's so many more. Yes. Right now. Even the heat in Louisiana, I was in the marching band. So in high school, we would rehearse in the summer because, you know, winter and fall is more of the football games. So we rehearse for the football games. And then, you know, we'd be out there in our full costumes and it was hot, but you'd get used to it. And then now... I go back down to Louisiana in July, August. You can't even go outside. If you walk down New Orleans in July, which I did a few years ago, no one's on the streets. It's it's a ghost town. Yeah. And then you look at Miami this week, uh, Boca Raton, uh, it's 30 degrees. It don't get that cold down there. The iguanas are freezing and falling out of the goddamn trees. Oh, my God. Well, iguanas aren't. Sorry, it is Old Testament shit. It is. <laughs> it is like it is crazy. Well, aren't iguanas non-indigenous to Florida? They are invasive species. They yes. shouldn't even be there. Uh, but unfortunately, everything can live in Florida. Just ask the old people. <laughs> and uh, and so it's it, they. When I was a kid, there were there were occasionally you'd see an iguana. Occasionally. And then I left town for 10 years and they were like the mascot of the town I grew up in. When I came back, there was like statues of them and shit. And you see them with their big legs running all over the streets and into the lakes. And, you know, they're fine, but they're not supposed to be there. You know, they're not a huge problem. But, you know, now that they're now that they live in the trees and then when it gets to a certain degree, uh, if people don't know this, they, they fall asleep and they fall out of the trees and then they lay on the ground until they wake up. They usually, and if you try to move them, like if they land on the hood of your car, they'll bite the shit out of your wrists, <laughs> scratch you up a bunch, and just like run away back into a lake. Uh, you know, and it's a, it, it's crazy. You know, it's a, you know, they, they, you got to think that they, there's, there, Florida, the people down there that we all know that they're a little crazy. And uh, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> Florida's crazy. But they're 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 taking the these iguanas and they're they're uh, they're selling the meat on Facebook Marketplace. I don't know if you've noticed. It's really? Like, yeah, they're calling it the chicken of the trees. <laughs> it's very it's very interesting. You know, you so go. you know they, they make something out of nothing. Those are my those are my people. Have you tried it? Oh are no, you, but I totally would. I mean, it's it's quite sustainable, right? It's like it's meat that's there. Yeah, it's like if it's not supposed to be there, let's yeah, eat it. Chop it up. Go. Let's rock. Let's make jerky. Iguana jerky. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I I eat I eat gator. You know, plenty. I eat plenty of gator. But you know, that's an interesting. I know. Um, I actually like to talk to you about that, Jillian, because you are a vegetarian, and I you're not going to be eating the iguana jerky, and uh, well, maybe the iguana jerky. I could probably talk you into. <laughs> but uh, could you tell us why you're a vegetarian? Yeah. So I became a vegetarian while I was uh, living in China. In fact, wow, that must, that have, must been, have been difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was a very shitty vegetarian as a child from when I was like 13 to 16 and I basically ate like french fries and uh mm-hmm. so I got an iron deficiency and then I had to you know yeah you got to figure it out dig back into steak and stuff but then while I was living in China um turned back to vegetarianism and it came from reading this book by Jonathan Safran Foyer called Eating Animals and it was his child who I think was like three years old at the time. He ate his kid. Uh, he totally and it was delicious. <laughs> I bet. But he was his son very intuitively in a great question was like daddy they, they were talking about their pet their dog their pet and he didn't understand why you can eat a cow 
but you can't eat a dog. Like he couldn't understand yeah. this hierarchy of animals. Mm, I mean, I like, would eat a dog if I'm hungry enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. German Shepherd's probably delicious. Put some soy sauce on that. Yeah, Rambo's probably good. He's not. I know Ooh. he's nice and soft. Mm-hmm. You Ooh, know, but then yeah. you know, if we tried to, you know, God forbid, eat, eat your dog Bean, I'm sure oh. it'd be very no. wiry Why? and not fun oh, at all. Some Greek Tough. seasoning. Yeah, I'd some probably, a little lemon I, zest. Yeah, I'd probably need to have at least three beans to be full. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Put them in some lentils. Ooh, some collard greens with dog neck. Yes, yes, yes. I love that you go straight for the neck. The uh... <laughs> But yeah, so um, we all know that cow farts, you know, are a problem, but it's way more than that, right? Yeah. So for me, I think a lot of people become vegetarians or go plant-based because for, for many, it's like about... Uh, the the love of animals and I do love animals like animals are great that's awesome but mm-hmm. for me it's not about animals suffering it's really about the planetary consequences of all of the like factory farming all of the major industries that surround yeah. the production of meat industrialized meat production because they're and not treated dairy. well I've no, seen pictures yeah. of these chickens just like whoo nasty on these farms and these are like i don't even buy eggs from the grocery store um i when i do eat meat i try to go nice Mm -hmm. um and i do it less i try to have legumes and yogurt and salad you know but when i do eat meat also meat's expensive yeah it's definitely the price is going up going up yeah there's Um, no question about that so like you have an egg that's like you know 10 cents a pop it's gonna taste like a 10 cent egg it's like a milky yolk it's nasty yeah, in these, um, you look at the farms, you look at some of these aerial photos from like pig farms, and I mean, I, I love him <laughs> so much. Uh, but there's just like pink rivers. Oh. I'm like, what is that? Oh even? my God. At the grocery, there was pork shoulder for like a huge pork shoulder for like $7. And I was like, why is this $7? I mean, I would have gotten it, but it's like the price was so cheap, it kind of spooked me out. So, what is it doing to? the world all this over farming of animals yeah well i think the key to your point it's like it's not that you shouldn't eat pork you love ham and ham loves you back you know it's Thank but so it's much. if i we, really needed to hear that <laughs> if we were and and speaking of iguana jerky i would totally eat it even though i'm a vegetarian because for me it's about like what's available and sustainable so if you if you and your family were to raise cows or chickens or pig and it was off of your land and eating your scraps, eating your trash that would go into the black bin in Los Angeles, but Mm -hmm. instead is becoming part. It's like creating your own little small scale ecosystem. That's so much more sustainable and less impactful than buying a like a $7 factory farmed shoulder. Um, So I think the key is really about like finding that, you know, if you can raise your own thing. Awesome. It's not about saying no to everything. It's about like making the choices strategically around. Know where you're buying from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you're going to Kroger and Ralph's and you get the $7 pork shoulder, it's sitting on a a styrofoam plate wrapped in plastic. You know, what are we really doing here? And then half of the time, the shit gets thrown in the trash. Yes, it does. And I saw a video of the factories of what pigs eat. It is literal trash. So that Trash that we throw out, the cardboard boxes that nobody breaks down, yeah. the like the old corn cobs, it is all fed to those pigs. And somebody, they actually ended up getting fired from their jobs because they were like showing this 
horrible video. These pigs just munching down on cardboard boxes. Well, yeah, because it's all done. Pretty much three companies run the meat market right now. And so you you have to buy from them. And you don't have much of a choice. They're buying out all these little farms and then making them into giant factories with that, where they're just processing way too many animals that can be consumed and will be consumed. And, you know, I've worked at a restaurant my whole life. We threw out so much meat, yeah, so much vegetables over the years. And it is, you know, when you stop to think about it, you know, it's a life, you know, it like as much as like, I like, I believe that, you know, we are above them in the food chain and we can, we should be eating them. Yeah. It doesn't mean I agree with wasting them. No, if I had a gun to a pig's head or your head, Eddie, and you're like, you got to kill one of them, I would kill the pig. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you wouldn't get confused. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I want to speak to a second for people that, because I know like a lot of people in my family just don't think climate change is real at all. They don't at all. And what I like to say to to someone like that is um, I would like to come to some sort of middle ground and say, don't you want to focus on family, focus on raising things yourself. My family likes raising their own crops. Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to eat locally, sustainably? Don't you want to not eat this nasty stuff that comes from you don't know? Don't you want the world to be pretty? You don't want to live in trash. You live in, they live in nature. They live in the middle of the woods in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. You don't want to have a factory, a landfill Come next to you. Don't you want this to look nice? Yeah, because then that stuff just slowly seeps into the rivers and slowly seeps into the drinking water. It goes like you may not believe it, but it goes through the dirt. It will. And it'll come to you. It will come to you eventually. I know America is a huge place. And we like to think, nah, it'll come to me. That goes to a third world country somewhere. It's coming to you. Isn't it crazy that we have to pay extra for cows that eat grass? That's (laughs) what they're supposed to eat. (laughs) That's what yeah. they're like. It's like they're like grass-fed beef. You're like, what are, what are the other guys eating? You know, like, <laughs> cows eat grass. We all know cows eat grass. You feed them. They're feeding them soybeans. They're feeding them all kinds of things uh-uh. that are not some corn stuff that they can't digest properly. That's not supposed to be in their diet. No, and that stuff's getting passed on to us. And you know and that, that animal had are, a horrible life. Sorry. I was just going to say, we are fat. I'm talking about me, not you ladies. You ladies are very in shape and, and doing, <laughs> doing wonderful things with your lives. But I'm, I'm a big old boy and I'm thin compared to most of America. And you look yeah. at part of these poor places where uh, these, these states that are, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, they're they're getting their meat out of cans from the Dollar General. Because it's also easy. It's harder to like, I would say get your cans now, get a pack of seeds with your cans. Start growing mm. tomatoes and corn yourself it's not it's going to take a while it'll take a few months but start getting those seeds now also youtube is free go to the library look at videos on how to do this and then you're mm-hmm. going to save yourself in the long run sorry <sighs> yet i cut you off no it's I feel fine like I'm we're cutting heated you off because we're heated and we're sitting across we're, from each other we're heated like the world oh. <laughs> 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 It is easy for us to sit on our like California liberal bubbles and to be like, just eat locally and sustainably. It's hard to do and it can be expensive. But I mean, certain places where I grew up, we grew our own tomatoes and our own peppers. Yeah, I also think it's easy for us to say it in California because we're literally watching it burn around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it is, uh, you know, I there's been days when I couldn't go outside because there was too much smoke in the air. And Leah, your family is uh, from Redding, correct? That's right, from Redding, California. And you had to deal with the the Redding fires that happened a couple years ago. 
Yeah, actually, this was a strange turn of events. Um, one of the things I have been realizing about coal and ice is over the decade we've been doing this, it just has become more and more present in our daily lives mm-hmm. of, of all the people who are working on the exhibition. Um, and right before our last iter- the last iteration of our exhibition, um, the car fire came to my hometown. And that was right before the campfire that destroyed nearby Paradise, California. Yes. That, um, Gosh, so I hate that it was called Paradise. Oh, and it, it was just destroyed. breaks my heart so much I, more. It was it's a very a beautiful metaphor. place. I played tennis there all the time growing up. Um, and is it like, is it just gone or? Yeah, a <gasps> large part of it. They yeah. paved Paradise and put up a fire zone. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Mitchell. But... <laughs> The craziest part, so that happened maybe like a week or two before Coal and Ice, and like a month before that was the car fire, and my father is actually a retired uh, firefighter um, mm-hmm. with the um, Cal Fire, and so you know my whole childhood, he would go up into the mountains to fight fires every summer. Terrifying. Um, t- always terrifying, but I he'd be you're... gone for maybe a month, and now wow. these people are gone for like months and months you know like they never get a break it's it's really crazy but yeah he he wanted to stay behind because he wanted to protect the house and the neighborhood so he put you know all the hoses out on the driveway and put his little um you know lawn chair in the on the driveway and and stayed there overnight and (gasps) that's terrifying it was really scary like just right before the exhibition was opening to have something so real occur in my life and, you know, to not be able to convince him to leave. Um, it was also one of the first fires where we heard of something called like a fire NATO, which was the yes, uh, a fire so hot it becomes hate- a tornado. That's a good mo- That's a good summer blockbuster. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lava Shark is the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Now, fires do happen naturally in nature, and that's just to get some of the brush cleared so you can like start anew. But yes. we're experiencing more and more fires because the heat index is just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Correct? Mm. Am I talking out of my ass? No, that's correct. And then it's combined with you know some Thank sort you. of um, you know sprawl that's occurring in terms of our houses, and you know the the relationship between where houses are being built and uh, where the forest begins is. It, you know, it's it's causing a lot of big problems. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And so your dad stayed. He fought the fire. Like, at your house. Did he, in like, obviously, every you know, 
he he was okay. The house is okay. Yeah, in fact, the fire. Um, I would say the it got about. Ten houses away from mine. But That's it, too close. Too close. That's but too close. The smoke will kill you. Yeah, yeah three miles away is too close. <laughs> he you told know. me that if it got too right to the house and it was late, he would run up the hill and hop in someone's pool. Oh and I was like, I don't like that idea. Now the yeah. pool's gonna uh, like. This blah, 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 isn't the Robin Hood cartoon. You can't just stick a straw out from underneath the water. Gosh, I mean, I appreciate his bravery and luckily, you know. Everyone, you don't, you know, obviously, if you're not a volunteer fireman or retired fireman, you definitely should not do this. At least he he knew slightly what he was doing. But there was uh, the aftermath came and um, your mom actually uh, took around this uh, photographer, uh, Gideon Mendel. Is that his name? Yeah. So because this happened right before Cole and Ice, I was talking to Gideon, who's uh, based in the UK, about coming to the exhibition in San Francisco and he was saying that he wanted to go film to go shoot some photos of um, he he's done this amazing drowned world series of photographs all over the world of floods. And he's, mm-hmm. he was starting to do the same with fires um, to look at um, the aftermath of fires. And so he, I actually connected him with my parents who um, took him around um, the area afterwards to meet different people who had lost their homes. And he took mm. some amazing portraits. Is this, is that a part of colon ice? It's actually not included in colon ice, but um, we ended up presenting it last time, a selection of the work from my hometown um, at an event, which was really special to me. That's interesting. And with fires and hurricanes and floods, insurance is going up. Yes. Insurance is going skyrocket. Everything is getting more expensive because of climate change, mm. because yeah. of things we're doing. And if, I mean, I know if we could just cut back on little things, maybe it'll get better. Also, just put U.S. and China's, you know, nose to the ground and just be like, fix this. It is us and it is like the governments of those countries, but it's also these giant corporations. Got to get those corporations uh, what are shot in the head. What are something? <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to say it, but we said it. And, um, it's the, satire. <laughs> it's satire. But uh, so what are some of the things that like these giant corporations should be doing to help us out? Because uh, I don't even know what to ask for, personally. Yeah. And who is doing it? That's a great question. I mean, I think one of the biggest, um, one of the saddest things for people in the climate movement right now is the fact that the Build Back Better bill is not looking like it's going to pass. I think that there are, different, um, you know, ways that the government actually needs to make it easier for um, companies to change and to take risks to to change the way they're powering um, their manufacturing or how, where, how they're powering the servers that are, you know, we use on a daily basis to stream everything. But um, I think that's one of the, the hardest things we're all facing is that that despite the fact that most of us know that something desperately needs to change, that we need to invest in prevention instead of invest in all of the disasters in their aftermath, as you were discussing, um, it's just not looking very likely at the moment. Man, so you're telling me. We're just fucked. When I watch Netflix, I'm like, fuck it up the environment? Well, um, yeah, I don't I don't think all of the streaming we're doing is great. I mean, but there you know, you're right to focus on the the 
corporate level and governmental level issue. I actually have been doing a lot of thinking about um, personal responsibility versus, um, you know, systemic issues and climate recently. And I was actually, I've learned from, you know, many sources um, that the whole concept of the carbon footprint is really was um, sold to us via... Um, Ed Begley. <laughs> no, he's a good one. <laughs> was sold to us by, you know, fossil fuel corporations and their PR companies. Oh, because so they can get away with murder and us be like, but I can't use the plastic straw because the turtles... Like, Meanwhile, they make the fucking plastic straw. Yeah, and also some of those, because I work in restaurants, I've seen some of those bamboo straws come packaged in and I'm like, it comes packaged in plastic. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen a bamboo straw in a plastic cup? Because that's real sad. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, so well, we all know these these turtles have been doing way too much cocaine. These. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's talk about Colin Ice real quick before we get going. Uh, this is going to be a huge exhibit. Uh, it's gone from, uh, from China to San Francisco. Now it's going to be in uh, DC. What are some of the exhibits you're really excited for? What do you, what are some of the, uh, the artists that are really kind of like breaking your brain that you can't wait to show the world? For me, one of the, the things I've always loved about Colonis is, is really the photographers. Sometimes we can get so big in what we're doing, you know, huge events and, mm -hmm. Um, it's become really larger in life and it's immersive form, but working with the photographers is always my favorite part. Like last time getting to know Gideon, introducing him to my parents was just so meaningful. Um, also David Brashears, the original, um, mountaineer and photographer filmmaker who went up to Mount Everest and did all of the photos of the glaciers, matching wow. them to the being ancient so good at photos. climbing and photography. You got to bring a backpack full of camera equipment up out Everest. People die up there. It's very impressive. I'm wow. sorry to interrupt. No, you. it is very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> but um, this year we actually have eight new photographers that we're adding to the exhibition and um, I'm just really excited about all of their work. Um, it's really building out the human consequences side of the climate change um, story, which sadly continues needs to be built every single time. Yeah. Um, we do this exhibition. I think you do a wonderful job because um, in order, I think, for people to take climate change more seriously, um, scientists can spew facts and numbers all they can. But I know for a lot of like people, my family and common people, they need to see regular people being affected by this. Yes. And then maybe something will happen. But then again, what are we all going to do? Like take our our bags to the grocery store? I mean, yeah, that's what we do. I do that. I do that. But it has to come down to like big big business changing do we go to nuclear i don't i don't even know i i mean honestly i mean you know windmills and solar panels i'm willing to give it a shot they take up a lot of land and a lot of space and they're not as they're good for a family unit but for a whole town they can't provide yeah and, yeah uh, and the, the windmills you know I, as much as i you know, hate to say that the they kill in condors yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're killing a lot of animals. Much, you know, so it's uh, you know, it's there's going to be a give and take, and uh, but this is the brighter side. Uh, we like to find the good in everything that's uh, 
shitty in this world. Oh my and- God, I have a brighter side. Sorry, it is. No, you I want to hear. No, that's what I'm asking. Okay, so as everybody knows, I don't like to drive. I think driving is stupid. Driving fucking sucks. I yeah. hate a car. That's not my fucking jam. They're doo doo machines. They're doo doo machines. We're all honking. And even if like climate change wasn't real, I'm sitting in a metal box going 90 miles an hour, laying on my horn, be like, get out of my way, you bitch. Yeah. And I'm doing that to get to work every day for what, half an hour, one hour. My mental state is fucked, right? Yeah. Also the worst uh, Pixar movies. (laughs) Cars, the worst. (laughs) There's this architect firm called Gell, I think I'm pronouncing it right, G-E-H-L, and they're all about transferring cities into very walkable and bikeable cities. Why do we like European cities? You can walk and you can bike everywhere. Yeah. Why? That's that's what we all love, right? You get to see the sun. You get a little bit of exercise. We want social communities. We want to say hello. How is your day to people? That is what the human experience is, not sitting in a fucking car. Rome has literally worked for thousands of years. Yes. Why we you know it just it works it why, works yeah why are we changing it why are we invent reinventing the wheel but they 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 um redid um Times Square so Times Square in the early two thousands it used to be like eighty percent cars mm-hmm. and then this firm came in and was like we're gonna make fuck this we're gonna like they did like an exhibit that was supposed to be kind of only a couple weeks but it was mostly people in the streets and that exhibit stayed. Yeah. And they're saying that because of Corona, because know how restaurants piled out into the sidewalk yeah. and they're like, fuck you, we're staying open. Mm-hmm. So these restaurants are now taking over these public spaces. It's a public fucking space. It's nice. We're human beings, you car fucks. Oh my God. So they're taking it over and they're saying, you can do this. You can make cities walkable and bikeable. And they're sl- if they can do it to Times Square, I think they can do it to other big cities. Absolutely. I mean, in Times Square... When they shut down everything and they made it walk only, you could only walk around there for a little while. It was slightly bearable. Nice. <laughs> you know, like, it was, <laughs> it was nice. We want to walk. I mean, if you can, if you're, if you have like a disability and you need a car, I, I don't want, this isn't for you. My, my thing, you should have a car yeah. and I'm not speaking to you. You should have a car, take care of yourself. But for a lot of people, if you can physically get up and walk, they are just Get lazy. your steps in. Get your steps in. They want to go park at Walmart to the closest parking spot and then wonder why they have diabetes. Yes. Diabetes. Diabetes. That's uh, it. <laughs> and I don't want to make fun of people with diabetes because you can also get it through pregnancy. But I mean, there's yeah. just a lot of lazy fucks out there that want to get in their big coal-burning pickup truck and honk at everybody. Yes. It is a it is a pain in the ass. I do not like cars. I They frankly scare me. Uh, I hate when people drive fast. They're very irresponsible human beings. They're putting their, putting their lives uh, and their little bit of time in front of everyone else's life. You're, you're greedy. You're greedy. And uh, I know we're saying this to people who are riding in cars. And yes, sorry, we're literally listening to this. I know, thank you for listening to us, though. <laughs> but you're special, though. So I want to hear from you, ladies. What is there hope? Um, what is the positivity that we could take from uh, your exhibit, um, from what's happening in, in China, in America with coal? Uh, you know, uh, please give us something uh, bright. Give the people something to hope for. I would say there is so much hope to be had on every level. Um, looping back to what y'all were just talking about. The idea of like the personal choices that we make to take the alternative from our car to hop on a bike or push a stroller or even just walk. That's the way that we make communities more sustainable, streets safer for everyone. There's actually really incredible things happening in Los Angeles of all places like car centric center of the universe. Um, So many like 
safe streets initiatives, streets for all, all of these like pedestrianization projects that are making really, really formerly like traffic clogged areas like Times Square historically, turning them into places that are comfortable for non-vehicular traffic. So that's the thing we can all do. And I'm I'm personally involved with my neighborhood council and in like local baby government, yeah. even if it's like a little community initiative to uh, take alternate, like explore alternatives to individual car ownership that can make huge improvements like on a broader scale for the environment and also build community as you were speaking to connect with neighbors. It makes the streets safer for everyone. Um, so that's something I'm very optimistic and yeah. excited about. Because if we're all out on the streets and we see some shit go down, we can help each other. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When streets are navigable for everyone, it's better. It's like makes the community thrive. Yes. And I'm sorry if I said anything bad about people with diabetes or people with disabilities. I'm so sorry. I mean, I it's, know. you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm the one who lets it be okay. My mom passed away with diabetes. I got it's in the mail for me. Let's face it. I'm, I'm sorry. At I some just point. want more people to walk around. That's it. Yes. No, we That's want you to be it. healthy. Yeah. yeah. We're not making fun of you. Everyone knows. We don't get hate mail. People like us. But, you know, feel free to send me hate mail. I don't know. Don't send Amber hate mail. I'm going to go ahead and say that, even though she told you to. Send me her hate mail. I'll screen it and see if how she'll respond to it. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, you guys got to check out everything going on with Two Tigers Productions. Uh, you, you've, you've, you two have started a wonderful business, and I, I wish you all of the prosperity in the future. It is the year of the tiger. I, I feel that uh, in, the, in the Chinese Zodiac, so I feel like this is perfect. This is a good sign for Colin Ice. Um, you guys, but you don't stop there. You're also making documentaries. You're making a documentary about Karita Kent. Um, can you tell us a little bit about her and that, and that before we go? Let's plug this. Uh, let's plug Karita. Sure. Actually, I would say Karita has been uh, learning about Karita over the past few years has been uh very integral to me being able to find a brighter side or joy in any of the hard work I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, I think Krita was a pop artist and nun in the 1960s in Los Angeles wow. who actually left the church in 68 and moved to Boston. But she's really known for her work as an artist in, and teacher in, and social activist in, in Hollywood. So She's just, you know, a peer of Andy Warhol and an amazing, um, an amazing person who has really taught creativity and joy in the, how we look at everyday life, finding um, beauty and joy in the everyday. And um, also in the idea of like a humanitarian love concept, um, I'm just constantly moved by um, her life and ideas. And I think that... We're excited to bring her story to a bigger uh, audience soon. Here's hoping. That In sounds like incredible. Five years. A pop artist nun? Yeah. yeah. She's my favorite nun. <laughs> by far. No, there's no question about it. Uh, the Cole and Ice Exhibition. Go check it out at the Kennedy Center. That's going to be March 15th through April 22nd in 2002. That's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Make sure you go and check it out if you live in the D.C. 
Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, Maryland area. Go check it out. Delaware, Biden takes the train. So can you. Leah Thompson and Jillia Schultz, the producers of the exhibit, the Two Tigers Productions, um, go to colonice.org for a preview of some of the exhibits and uh, just to learn more about what's going on over there. Leah! You have uh, a short film, a short documentary, How to Start Your Own uh, Utopia. Um, how would people find that if they want to check that out? You made that when you were in, uh, when you were in China, correct? Yeah, I don't, it's not actually anywhere online at the moment. I need to post it somewhere. But. Well, as soon as she figures it out, <laughs> you can find it. <laughs> Jillian, is there anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, no, come check out Colon Ice it's, and, you know, eat less animal products if you can. If you can. The planet you, thanks you. Break, buy break it from a farmer's market. Break down your fucking boxes. <laughs> oh, my God. If you live in an apartment building especially, you sons of bitches. All right. Uh, check out Amber's other podcast. It's someplace underneath. Um, by the way, I think you ladies should, you would actually really like that podcast. She does it with the great Natalie Jean, and that is exclusive to the last podcast network, The Brighter Side Live on Twitch. Um, that is the second Tuesday of every month. The next one is going to be on March 8th at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to this show on Spotify exclusively for two years. We are now available on every single platform. Hell yeah. Which is so cool. You can check us out on Stitcher. Podbean, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Some Amazon. Some guy in his basement just doing the radio phones. Yeah. He got us on there. He's got us on there transcribing it. Get used to it. Be a part of it. We are spreading our wings. Please help us spread the word. And we are still available on Spotify. So if you want to listen there, uh, you still can. But the podcast is now free on all platforms. Uh, you got to, you know, help us spread the word. We're so excited to be available to even more people and spread our positive message. Uh, Amber, you got a Patreon. Why don't you tell us about it a little bit? It is Amber Smelson, S-M-E-L-S-O-N. It's a way to support me as an artist. Also, I um, cook all the time for myself. That's all I do. So you get to see what I do. I feel like now's a good time to do a sticker giveaway now that we have all these new listeners. Absolutely. That's a great idea. We've been doing the sticker giveaway, and we're going to make it even harder. I got some people DMing me. If you want a Brighter Side sticker, feel free to DM. Amber, I, or The Brighter Side on any of our social platforms. And uh, you can send us your address and we will mail you out a sticker. Even better, you can mail us a stamped self-addressed envelope to The Brighter Side, care of LPN, P.O. Box 470, North Hollywood, California. And we will put a sticker in that envelope, draw a little picture on the back of it, and send it out to you because those are the kind of people we are. We just love spreading the love. And if you want more than one sticker, you got to put one up in a bathroom bar. Guys, I also have a Patreon coming out. Um, it is uh, it is out. It's not coming out. It's out. So go to check that. That's patreon.com slash edditunes, E-D-D-I-E-T-U-N-E-S. Um, I will be, you know, talking. I'll be, it's going to be a lot of music-based. I'll be talking about my tunes, obviously. It's called Edditunes. Uh, I love music, and I just need a outlet to spread the love. I also will be doing some uh private podcast having of course amber will be by to talk for a little bit at some point and you know it's just like amber says a way to support me as an artist uh i'm a little uh how do you say uh shy about it uh you know i'm not really going to promote myself so uh if you feel like helping me out i would um 
hug you when I see you if you're wearing a mask. <laughs> oh, you can rent or buy a movie I made. It's a short documentary film. Lee is not the only short doc maker in here. Uh, <laughs> it's called How America Killed My Mother. It's available at HowAmericaKilledMyMother.com. Obviously a very personal movie to me. Um, please check it out. Um, R.I.P. Grace. Who uh, is in the film? She passed away this week. I'm gonna go to uh, New Jersey and I'm gonna pick up my mom's dog Tootsie. Uh, well, we'll see if she could take. You it. got a lot of people dying in your life, Ed. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. They're it's, all dying. It's what they call an old rough patch. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, is, it is a very interesting. Uh, but uh, so uh, you know, it's weird. You go to a memorial. I went to Bob Saget's memorial at the comedy store on Sunday night. It was a wonderful. Uh, Probably is this kind of a, a weird, sad thing to say. Probably the best show I've ever seen. Because um, <laughs> you got like you know Jeff Ross and Bill Burr talking, right? Well, it was it was Jeff. Well, first of all, Jackson Brown played like three songs. It just starts with Jackson Brown walking out on stage, who's one of my favorite musicians of all time. Uh, regardless, he comes out, he plays a song, and then he walks off stage, and then on walks Jeff. John Mayer, Jim Carrey, and Chris Rock. This is at the Comedy Store. Whoa. And they just sit down in four chairs and start talking about Bob. Jim Carrey hasn't been on stage in 25, 30 years. I got to see him perform for like an hour and a half, two hours. He was unbelievable. He's hilarious. Uh, he needs to get back on stage. Uh, at one point, Chris Rock was like, it's sad a motherfucker had to die for you to get back on stage. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to kill Eddie Murphy next week if you get back on stage. <laughs> it was an amazing moment. Um, but it was a very touching event. All of Bob's family was there. And uh, he got uh, a send-off that... I know he would have loved um, Michael Keaton, John Lovitz, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, Paul Rodriguez, Byron Allen. It was, it was, it was insane. Um, but uh, I, hopefully, I, I know they filmed it. I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully, the world will get to see it. If not. It was just an incredible moment for the people in the room. Uh, Twitter, uh, you can go check uh, at Cole underscore and underscore ice, uh, at Eddie Tunes underscore, at Amber Smelson, at Last Podcast Network, at Brighter Side LPN. Instagram, Cole and Ice underscore exhibition. Go follow them because the beautiful Julie Rosing helps create that page and monitor it and make sure that people are going there. So go and like it and do me and her a favor as well as the exhibit. Um, Amber Smelson, Eddie Tunes, Last Podcast Network, and The Brighter Side on Instagram. Amber on the Rocks every Friday on Twitch on the Amber Smelson Twitch page. That's Friday at 6 p.m. Hang out with Amber on her porch and have some drinks thank you to our editor april um our social media manager maddie and our new producer madeline for all the help you do with our show um the eddie tunes to our radio hour is riding high that's definitely a part of the patreon you can check it out there or you can email me and i will send you a link to the most recent episode and uh you can enjoy the hell out of that uh spotify ed larson check out the playlist there but most importantly i'm promoing the napster page that's right you heard me napster they you know they said spotify two 253 lessons uh, for them to get a dollar. Napster, it's 50. Wow. So, go to Napster. Help out the artists. It's the same price. Uh, so wow. go check it out. There's just no podcasts. But uh. you get the podcast for free everywhere else. You know, what are we even talking about here? So go to Napster. Uh, check out the um, Eddie Tunes on Napster. I got a bunch of uh, great playlists on there. And speaking of music and climate change, we can go have a little Buster Poindexter today. Oh. Uh, yeah, a little hot, hot, hot. So in uh, <laughs> Is this feeling hot, hot, hot? Ole, 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 
yourselves. Yes, sir. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.